So we started a uh, series called Hark last week, um, talking about the angels and, and their perspective. And today we're talking about the angel Gabriel speaking to Mary. And, uh, you know, we've heard, you know, we actually heard a lot of the story of Mary um, and some of her uh, dialogue and, and what's going through in her mind and um, and. You know, what Caroline sung today was uh, definitely that, you know, sharing what was in her heart, what she was experiencing, what was about to happen, you know, and what we know had happened through Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to spend time on that revelation that the angel gave to Mary. And we'll be spending some time on those over the next few weeks of how the Lord spoke through his divine angelic messengers and how it's supposed to penetrate our heart and transform us as well. So before the days of printed newspapers, town carriers would walk through the streets and they would ring a bell and they would call out, Hear ye, hear ye. And they would give the latest news headline. Hear ye, hear ye. We have a town hall meeting at 6 p.m., they might say. And that's how you would get your news for the day. But yet, <laughs> then you would tell it to your friends and spread it out throughout the town. But it was a job of someone to go out and to announce that headline. I'm glad we don't have that as the only way of information that is spread uh, nowadays. We can uh, hear the news in other modes. Then eventually the newspaper was printed and publicized and uh, when it came out you would find boys, uh, newspaper boys would go out and they would cry out, extra, extra, read all about it. And then they would give the latest headline so that you would go and you would purchase that paper and you would read all the details of the news that day. Today we get our news in many different ways. See, for some of us, we read the newspaper from cover to cover. Many of us, if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we typically don't start to the, at the front. We end up starting the back and we read the obituaries first, right? Yeah, I know, I know. We do that. Because we want to see if our friends had passed away and, you know, those type of things. But we read it cover to cover, many of us. We like the physical copy, the smell of the paper, you know, those type of things. And you, that's how you get your news. Other of us, we like to watch it on the TV screen. Some of us get our news from the Internet, maybe from social media. Others, they get their newspaper or their news, rather, from listening to it on the radio. No matter how you get your news, it's important to know what is going on around you, in your community, in your nation, and in the world. So we all value some form of getting the news. We don't always like what it says, especially in our day and age. It seems like the news is always bad, Always you don't know exactly what to believe, which side of it do you interpret, you know, all those types of things. But see, the angel showed up to deliver good news. 
And like we talked about last week is that when the angels would show up, a lot of times there was fear that was among the people. You see that even in Mary's story as she was fearful. She didn't know how to discern exactly what was being relayed to her because she wasn't sure if it was going to be a word of judgment on her or a word of good news for her. And so whenever the angel comes, he brings good news. See, uh, a pastor up in New York said this. Tim Keller said, the gospel is good news, not simply good advice. But see, many of us in our day and age, we tend to read this and we read it like, okay, well, this is just good advice that we should just live by and maybe hear every once in a while and apply it to our life, but not fully good news that completely transforms us. But when the angel shows up, he brings good news. Actually, not just good news, but the best news. The best news that changes the face of the world forever and ever. The good news that would spread and continue to spread from one nation to the other, from one people group to the other, from this tribe to this tribe. All over the world, it is being spread, this good news of Jesus Christ. The news that doesn't tell you just half the truth like many in in the media today, but the full truth, the truth of Jesus Christ. This news confounds the wise. This news sets the captives free. This news heals the sick. This, This news brings sight to the blind. This news gives the voice words in their mouth they're no longer mute this news completely changed me a sinner and when I was 17 years old it completely changed my life it gave me a new identity a new name church this news completely changed my life did it completely change your life did it completely change your life Did it completely change your life? Yes, it did. I just wanted to make sure that you are awake because I need a little bit of response out of that one because this news completely changes the course of history. And it's not just good advice. It is good news, great news that comes and brings great joy that completely changes people if we allow it. That good news... Is amazing news. And so let's read about it. Turn to Luke chapter 1. We'll pick up where we left off last week. Luke chapter 1, 26. We'll read 26 through 38. Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. 
But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, I will conceive in your, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born and will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her whom was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. God, we pause and we just want to just experience your word right now. God, your revelation. God, I pray that you would just make known your truth to your people this morning. Amen. Mary might not have fully known every single thing. Much like Abraham, back in his day, he didn't know everything that he would see, but yet he knew he was called to go. Mary didn't fully know exactly every small detail of what this would would look like, but yet she had great faith. She said this, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary had this trust in God. She found favor with him. She was willing to be the Lord's servant. And see, if we look at Mary, may we model her faith. May we, when we receive knowledge from the Lord, may we respond in trust and and faith in him that he knows what he is doing. We might not know exactly all the details of what it looks like in our life and how we're to live out every thing but we know that he knows all of our plans and he knows what is good and what is bad for our life and may we focus on him and his truth and his revelation and and all that we do mary did that she was obedient then the good news shows up and he shares it with with mary of what will happen she is received with this this word that she will bear a child and he will be the son of the most high jesus is his name see jesus means savior and then or anointed one jesus means anointed one and he will be called the son of god the son of the most high See, throughout this scripture, as we read in the Old Testament all the way to the New, we see that there's this promised Messiah. And here we see that it is in Jesus. 
he will be the Messiah because he says, you will call him Jesus. He will be known as the son of the most high. See, this isn't new knowledge to the Jew especially because they have been waiting upon waiting for years for this revelation to happen. What they heard from their grandfathers and and the generations before that was passed down to them and what they heard through the scriptures as it was read, they knew that a Messiah was coming and here Mary receives it that it is going to be in her. It is going to be in her. See, Jesus is known to us as Jesus Christ. And see, for many of us, we might think that that was his last name. (laughs) Jesus Christ is not his last name. Jesus Christ is his title. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. That's who he is. And that is ultimately who he wants to be for each and every one of us here today. In Luke 1, 32, it says that Jesus will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And then you skip on down to a couple of verses later, it says, So the Holy One to be will be called the Son of God. See, as we go and we follow this, you hear of a mystery. A mystery that is fulfilled in Jesus we hear it in Paul's teaching in Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 20, uh, Ephesians 1, 9 through 10, it says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the f- fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. See, this mystery that we read throughout the Old Testament on into the New Testament is starting to bring to fullness through Jesus Christ here at his birth. That Jesus Christ is beginning to fulfill that mystery. And many of us always ask this question, well, why is it a mystery? Well, see, there is things that's going on in the powers that be that we don't actually see right now with the visible eye, but we know through God's word that there is, there is darkness there is a war going on. And see, the thing is, is if, if God made known all this mystery, especially with Jesus' birth, then Jesus would have died much differently. But they had to hide things and only share parts of it because the powers were at war with God. And they hid it. But yet we start to see that through Jesus Christ, it is becoming revealed. And see, we have this in in this passage here. We have really two different types of claims here. We have one that is very theological going on. There is a, a, a theological claim that's going on that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Like that was huge. It was huge in that day, but it's also huge to us as well as we look at that and we study God and who He is. And now we hear that He is the Son. Jesus is the Son of God. Like that is a huge claim even for our time. But for the 
first century readers, especially the original readers of this passage, as they hear the story and even as, as Mary receives it, she can't help to think about the words that's been shared throughout the story of how there was going to be a Messiah. And as I was studying, I couldn't, think, I couldn't help but think about the beast and how there was a, 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 the serpent, a beast-like, that will, it says, will bite the Messiah by heel as he crushes his head. And I'm sure that as the original readers read this and as Mary read or heard this revelation, they, that they knew that now the Messiah is, is, is coming this promised Messiah, the one that will go and, and basically take in the enemy and defeat him once and for all. But yet they knew that he will be strucken. And Jesus Christ did just that. God, through Jesus Christ, is bringing redemption and salvation for Israel and in reality for the whole world, for all the nations. This promised Messiah will be the Son of the Most High God. This mystery, this Messiah figure we read in the Old Testament will be God in human flesh. Basically, throughout the story, God is trying to bring his family back to him, bring his people back to him. He's done it through all different kinds of ways, through all different kinds of kings, all different kinds of people, but they had failed over and over again, and basically God says, I'm enough. Uh, this is enough. I am coming down. I am putting on flesh, and Jesus is God in flesh and he comes to bring redemption he comes to bring redemption and we know that it's through abraham's seed that he will come we know that it's through the line of judah we know that it's from king david that he will come and so israel has been waiting Forever and ever, it seems like, for such a long period of time, they've been waiting for this Messiah that Isaiah talks about that will crush the enemy's feet, but not before, crush the enemy's head, but not before he is struck and bitten. But we know through Jesus Christ, his life, he went through all different kinds of things. He experienced testing he experienced suffering he experienced all kinds of things that we on earth experience because god put on flesh jesus left his divinity he left the throne room he came and put on flesh so that he can be one with us so that he can conquer life death forever and ever and so on the cross he died but see the the powers that I talked about earlier, they thought they won. The powers, the rulers, the principalities, this dark world thought that they had won up God. They thought that they, it, it's, it's good, we, we put him to death. Yes, they rejoice over that. But yet we know the end of the story, that on Easter Sunday, the grave was empty that he rose up out of the grave. And so then the powers are like, oh no, what have we done? And Satan defeated the powers. And we know 
that through Colossians, that he brought the powers into open shame through his sacrifice. And God is continuing to triumph over evil through his church. Through us being obedient to him and following the way and being children of the light and living into the kingdom of light even in the midst of this dark world. We have this powerful testimony that God transforms lives. Now many of us and me myself, I don't know every single thing. Like I, I can't tell you that I am a full scholar and a theologian of this text, but I tell you what, I love it so much and I want to spend so much time in this text because of the truth that is in it. And every single one of us should do that. But I can tell you this, that I might not know everything and anybody here can tell you that they don't know every single thing. But I can relate to a person in the gospel and that is a person that had an encounter with Jesus Christ who could not see. And Jesus spit on the ground and made mud and put it on his, his eyes and sent him to the pool to, to wash. And the man came and he was greeted by his friends and they were challenging him. And he says, who did this? And he said, Jesus. Well, how this happened, how this, you know, I can imagine what was going on in this conversation. And the person responded, I once was blind, but now I see. That's enough for me. Once you experience it, once you have been transformed by Jesus Christ and this good news we speak of today, you don't have to know everything. God isn't calling you to just be a theologian and to know everything, then go and share the good news. No, he's saying, hey, I want to transform you, and this is how I do it. And so you go out and you share your story. I once was blind, but now I see to the glory of God. So there was this theological claim that was going on, but the reality is, is there was also a political claim that was going on. A political claim that, yes, Jesus Christ was the Messiah, but he's also the king. Jesus Christ, yes, he's the Messiah, he's our Savior, but he's also our Lord. See, this political claim was that this child being promised to marry will be the descendant of David, and he will sit on David's throne forever, and his kingdom will never end. This promised child will be king, not just a king, but the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so this, this gospel that we speak of this morning, this good news is, yes, theological claim, but it's also very political too. See, the gospel forces us to answer this question, who is your allegiance? If we were in Africa, the middle of the jungle, I would ask the exact same thing. Who is your allegiance? Whether we're in the U.S., and I ask that question, who is your allegiance? May our allegiance always be Jesus Christ is King. Now, can Jesus Christ work in our country? Absolutely, and I want that. But my question to you is, do you truly want that? If so, do you know your congressman by name? Do you know your Senate? Do you truly pray for your president? 
Because there is a war that's going on in this dark world between the powers that be. And we as a church have to seek the Lord because he is the king of kings and the lords of lords. That empires will rise and they will fall. Nations will rise and they will fall. But Jesus Christ will never fall. He is always king. And he will always be king because his kingdom has no end. And that is a kingdom that we are all invited into. A kingdom of light, not of darkness. Jesus came to bring the kingdom. In Mark 1, 15, it says, The time is fulfilled. The, king, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus says that he is the kingdom. The kingdom of God, in Luke 17, he says, The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Jesus gives purpose to the kingdom. Jesus describes his mission saying that he must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Basically, this kingdom is big news for every single one of us here. And we need to make it, uh, you know, be sure that we know and we're aware of what the kingdom truly is. Jesus comes and he declares the kingdom. He says, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. He even describes. Shows what the, the kingdom is like. He explains if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons. Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus also goes and he deploys the kingdom. In Luke 10 he goes and he sends out the 72 people. Uh, his, his disciples and he instructs them that the kingdom of God has come to you. And then at the end of his life, when he goes and he gives this great commission to his disciples, King Jesus issues this, this plan of discipleship to the church. And he says this, that all authority in heaven on earth has been given to him. Therefore, go. Jesus also transforms the kingdom. Israel was waiting this earthly king They've been waiting for this earthly king and in their imagination they were thinking, oh yes, Jesus, the, the Messiah coming down is definitely going to be political. But in their imagination they thought that he was going to be more of a conquering king that come and bring about military power to the rescue them from these political wars and that he was going to just restore Israel like it always had been. But Jesus didn't come to be an earthly king. He came to bring uh, even more than that kingdom that to be on this earth. He didn't come to place his throne room here on the earth. He came to deliver us from the ways of this world. And Jesus transforms the kingdom. And he makes himself known. And he declares to them, my kingdom is not of this world. And then Jesus, like we just talked about, Jesus purchases the kingdom. He defeats Satan, he defeats sin, and he defeats death by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with the legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He uh, disarmed the rulers and authority and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. And then ultimately we know that Jesus will come and complete the kingdom. 
in the second coming of Christ, Jesus returns a triumphal warrior king. And he, recomes, he, he comes and he returns and he achieves final victory. And it says that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Basically, I speak of a kingdom right now. The kingdom has a king. Every kingdom has a king. And this kingdom I speak of has no end. This kingdom I speak of is not of this world. It is of God. And this king that sits on the throne in this kingdom has a name. And his name is Jesus Christ. And my question to you this morning, do you know him? Do you know him as your king? Do you know him as your savior? Do you know him as your Messiah? Well, then this season, what we are to do is to go and make him famous wherever we walk. Where we put our footsteps, we make him famous. Where we speak, we make him famous. Where we think even, we make him famous. In our homes, in our workplace, in the grocery store, in this church, we make him famous because Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior as well. And so if you're here this morning and maybe you've heard this good news that Jesus Christ is Savior and that Jesus Christ is King, but you don't know him. Don't leave without coming to know him. Don't leave without coming to know him. He wants to know you. In fact, he knows all the details about you. He knows when you're coming or going. He knows really the, the amount of hairs on your head or lack thereof. He knows all those details, those inmost thoughts that's in your mind. He knows whenever you have fallen short. He knows whenever you're on top of the mountain and you're, you're celebrating. He knows all those things. But do you know him? Because that is what's important today, is that you know him. Because the reality is, is that yes, there is a kingdom with a king with a, with a throne where Jesus is on it. But there's also another kingdom, and it's called the kingdom of darkness. And it's evil. And there's emptiness. And when we follow that kingdom, it leads us to death and destruction. And ultimately it leads us to hell. But through Jesus Christ. His death on the cross, Him canceling sin once and for all, Him triumphing over the grave, He gives us an opportunity to follow Him and to surrender and yield to Him. Have you done that? Because this is the perfect season to do this. This is the perfect day to do that because you might not get another one. You might not get another Christmas season. You might not see tomorrow. God is calling out. He wants you. He loves you. He loves you so much that He will put on flesh. He will die for you. He will come to life for you because He loves you. So this morning, we open the altar to you. Ask if you if God is dealing with you to come as they sing this song.
may you come.